Welcome to Learn Real Good, a podcast about science and comedy. Oh, nailed it. <laughs> you know, we have this sort of ongoing narrative with the beginning of our show of, are we doing it the way we used to? Yeah, Is all, this the new normal? All season, it feels like, I don't know if it's even true that we had a signature way of opening the show. Oh, we definitely did. We definitely did. As editor of the podcast, for sure. <laughs> well, I haven't listened to the previous episodes. Whoa. I, I do it. And then, you know, it's like actors who can't watch themselves do the yeah. movie. Yeah. So I have a hard time listening to myself. I used to. And would have cringed at the idea right. of having to more watching myself than listening sure. to myself. But having to edit this has You've made me immune to it a million times. But you know what? There's other ancillary benefits, right? Such as because I edit out the ums and the z, uh-huh. and it's annoying to do. <laughs> I do it a lot less. <laughs> you mentally, you do exactly. the mental edits now. Yeah, I feel like I'm constantly editing like as I go. Like, you know how when there's live broadcasts, they always like air it a little ahead so that if someone swears, they can like cut it out. Right. That's how I'm editing myself all the so time. So you're talking seven seconds ahead <laughs> from what I'm hearing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all right. Seven seconds. Perfect. That's what they call me, Katie, seven seconds, <laughs> Peg Nuko. Well, this isn't a podcast about talking in the future. No. It is a podcast about science where yeah. we shoot the breeze. Yes. Done. <laughs> you, see, this checklist <laughs> is part of the thing, but we don't For actually sure have is. a checklist. For sure it is. Well, we do now. All right. So that's how podcasts work. The format, you know, organically <laughs> unveils itself like in layers of an onion. Oh. Layer two of the Yes, onion. Onion it is. Science facts. Science and facts, then we have sure the best part of our show. We have a guest. guest. I'm very excited about our guest. Same. From a field we, we never get guests from, so it's doubly exciting. It's math before you. Whoa. I'm spoiling it. I'm cutting that out. Well, don't cut that I'm out. drunk with power. Um, Don't cut it out. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> Just cut that whole section hey. out. Oh, man. A guest on a mystery subject. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. But when, this is the second part, I guess, of our checklist. Onion layer the second. <laughs> oh, wow. I would hate to have that name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Onion layer senior, onion yeah, yeah, layer yeah, junior, junior, and then onion layer the third. Before you get to our facts, since we're talking about onions, yes, we had a brief side <laughs> I don't know podcast. where this is going. Oh, Remember? yes. Where we have a uh, a young listener who loves the fact portion of yeah. our show. And so we asked him some subjects he'd love to hear some banter about. And one of them was onions. Yeah. Not we, what I would guess from we what did like, he was like uh, eight learn at re- the time. A Learn Real Good Family edition. <laughs> there are three episodes that exist and no one has heard them other than this family. But I just love that a 10-year-old kid's going around thinking, what's up with onions? <laughs> That's great. Uh, who, who doesn't want to know more about onion? All right. Well, enough about that enough. onion. Let's get to the onion facts. 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 I hope you have an onion fact. Who I goes don't. first? I don't have an onion fact. Do you remember fact. who goes first this time? Uh, I'll go first again. Great. Go I, for it. It doesn't matter? No. No. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, the air. Okay. The yeah. Air. Love it. Love now, it. you imagine <laughs> you're, you're building, let's say you're building some medical equipment sure regular day for me regular day for you and you want to detect some radioactive Mm, material mm -hmm, all right mm -hmm. now some people are familiar with this but for those who aren't if you are building an instrument that requires a really high sensitivity to radioactive equipment say you you have a detector uh, that's detecting particles in the physics experiment Mm -hmm. or you're running a medical experiment where you've uh, dosed someone with some like a little radioactive dye and you need to detect the sensitive amount of radiation. Yes. 
you cannot build that material, the, the instrument, with radioactive material. Because oh, your okay. instrument will detect itself. Is it hard to avoid radioactive materials? Well, here's the thing. Oh, now, no. Oppenheimer has brought the idea of nuclear testing. <laughs> I think it was actually into the Barbie forefront. that did that. Okay. Bar- so Barbie has brought <laughs> nuclear testing to the forefront of our minds and our collective society these days. <laughs> right. But Oppenheimer, I will say, also had a, an sure. effect. Sure. Okay, fine. When they first started nuclear testing, it was above ground mm-hmm. in the air. And they did hundreds of tests governments around the world not just the americans but the russians and everyone else who was working on nuclear bomb up until about the early 60s was testing above ground and so all of these nuclear bombs went off that radiation oh, wow. stays in the atmosphere sure. it takes a long time for it to decay out of it hmm. and so from say the mid 40s all the way to the early 60s about a period of about 15 years Hundreds of nuclear bombs testing were happening in the atmosphere, which contaminated the atmosphere to a degree. Now, steel, metal (laughs) is used in instruments. Sure. But part of the process to make steel is forcing air into the chamber. Oh, my goodness. And so it automatically becomes contaminated and it's stuck in the steel as part of its formation. Whoa. So all of the steel that used air since the 40s has been very lightly radioactive. Neat. It is neat. It's like a little fascinating fact. Now here's what's interesting. (laughs) Steel that was created before the 40s golden is very valuable. It's very valuable because When the air was introduced, there was no radioactive material in it. And this is called pre-war steel or uh, like clean steel. Okay. And there's another, uh, not just the steel that gets fabricated in this way is radioactive, but lead is also naturally radioactive. Mm -hmm. And so lead that gets mined has its own radioactivity to it. It decays itself naturally over the course of decades and centuries. And so there was a uh, Roman ship that carried lead ingots as part of its, like, it was sailing around the Mediterranean, shipping lead from one of its mines to a city that needed to build plumbing or whatever, and it sank. Mm. But recently recovered lead. And so that lead has, over the centuries, decayed Ah. all of its natural radioactivity. So it is very, very low or nearly no radioactivity. Get that together with some clean steel. You got yourself a sweet instrument. You got yourself a very beautiful clean instrument now here's the here's the part where's the rub here's the rub okay we're basically have returned to pre-nuclear times the radioactivity in the air has decayed to the point where it's only very very lightly above the natural background of of our atmosphere so our atmosphere has its own natural radioactive components just because we live on a planet things are radioactive bananas are radioactive little fact because of the potassium Mm -hmm. But we are now entering a period where it's not worth it. And so up until like maybe five, ten years ago, if you're building a sensitive instrument for science or for medicine, you needed you needed to get this like pre-war steel right. or ancient lead. <laughs> the lead you still need to worry about because it, yeah. it, that just doesn't decay on its own. But the steel, you can just get some steel off the shelf now. So there you go. Interesting. So, so that must that you're making it sound like that's bad news. Isn't that good? Does that it mean is it good news. Be cheaper? It is good news. Cheaper it's instruments? just this like cool little fact is no longer relevant. 
<laughs> There's the rub. This yeah. is no That's longer why hot I'm science. Sad. That's news. why I'm sad. How'd you figure this out 10 years ago? And how do we been making a podcast yeah. 10 years ago? Uh, that that steel that we've been keeping in the basement would be yeah. worth a lot I more money. I just think it's fascinating. It like they would like sal- like go to the bottom of like yeah. the ocean to find like wow. old battleships and then mm. salvage it, not for any of the stuff on it, but really for the steel that went into making because it. Because of the time it was because made. Because of the time That's it was made. That's nuts. I didn't know that. There you go. That's a very interesting fact. Maybe not as interesting as you wanted it to be in your heart <laughs> of it still being worth money. But you know what? I'm glad as hell I know it. I know. And I'm sure our listeners are too. shouldn't have bought all that pre-war steel is what I'm saying. Well, you know, that is a questionable choice that you made. (laughs) But uh, yeah, interesting. Cool. Cool. Good fact, Vinny. There you go. Thank you. Katie, I'd love to hear your fact. I do have a fact. And I've been dying to talk about this because this is like hot news. Ooh, hot goss. When I say say the year 2003, what do you think of Vinny? Uh, Wow. 2003? It's like 20 years, the 20th anniversary of 2003. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So congratulations Well, that is is relevant. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't... Major scientific developments in in the early 2000s. Major scientific developments of the early 2000s. Human Genome Project? Yes! No, get out. Did I really? Yeah, you nailed it. Oh, wow. We did not... I mean, that's the only one that really stands out. That was a huge deal. That's why I I, 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 uh, baited you that way. Uh, Yeah, so about... I think it was 2003. Sure. Should have fact checked that. Nah, that's okay. Eh, Science facts and quotes. 2000 plus, <laughs> not minus. So it was definitely 2000 to 2003. The Human Genome Project. So what do you think we accomplished with that, Vinny? We mapped out the human genome. No. One person's human genome. No. We found we found out there was a genome. <laughs> it's nice. Humans. It sounds like... You know, right. I have no idea what they did. Yeah. They, well, well, it sounded like they completed the sequencing of one person's genome. Absolutely not. Dang, I have no yeah. idea what they well, did. Well, they got some sequence of one person's genome, but not all of it. Because but they completed some... it. No, they didn't. They started it? <laughs> they completed as much as they could reasonably get, <laughs> but there were some huge gaps. What were they celebrating for? <laughs> well, They, <laughs> they kind made of, big news. They, they went through it all. Uh-huh. But there were chunks that were just going to take way longer, requiring technologies that did not well, exist. Was this yet like a college decode. student project? Like, eh, close enough. I I guess so, because I I agree. I was sold on. Yeah, yeah. we know every letter. They just uh, uh, high fived no. each other and said, "Peace, we're done." Yeah. In fact, there was another project uh, a few years, like a couple of years ago, called the Telomere to Telomere Project. Okay. And their goal was like, no, really, it's been about twenty years. We want to go every letter. Okay, a full. And they of, like, did it. So when they're doing this, is there, there's a, is there a specific person that they're sequencing? They do entire human genomes, yes. I don't know what that means. So when they sequence, they, at this point, are getting an entire organism's letters. Yes, and, so and they've done they, that for several Are people. they picking a, one specific person as like the golden, like are multiple groups referencing this one person or no we've had human genomes decoded several times okay you know, people from different places oh, different okay. backgrounds it's been done but okay. not completely not every letter not every letter so the telomere to telomere is like we're going to take this one cell and we're going to go letter by letter <laughs> but even then with it being seen as complete there were gaps. They still didn't finish? In particular okay. with one chromosome. Do you have any guesses as to which chromosome is a real tougher one? God, it's always the Y chromosome. It was the Y God, chromosome. men are terrible. So the... <laughs> 
Well, not all men. Not all men. Hashtag not all men. Well, no. No, wrong hashtag. Why chromosomes aren't necessary, (laughs) not necessarily a necessary and or sufficient condition for maleness. So why chromosome? What else do you know about it aside from it being associated with being assigned male sex typically? It's shorter. Yeah, it's real small. So the irony that this rinky-dinky chromosome that usually gets written (laughs) off as having a couple of genes and then a bunch of crap ended up being the hardest one. And it's partly because of that. So there are quite a few genes. A lot of them are associated with secondary male characteristics, but there's a lot of other stuff going on there as well. But the reason why it took forever to code is that about half of it, about 30 million bases of it, are gobbledygook. They're repetitions okay. like ATGC, 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 uh-huh. or palindromes, ATGC, GTA. And when you have that, it makes it really hard to sequence the way we sequence. Oh, really? So the way we sequence very basically, I mean, it is you make a little primer, so a little strip of DNA that's uh-huh. single strand and it has the letters that's going to hunt a part that you know is in there and then you use the basic mechanics to sort of build the rest. Okay, but Like it sticks to that base. Yeah, but having it stick when you have that same sequence all over the place and oh. having it sort of process it, you end up with someone uh, in this article I was reading gave a good analogy. It's like trying to put a book together that's been cut up several different times, several different ways, when you have the same sentence over and over again mm. in several places, you're going to see that thing over and over again. And you're, how do you know where, where it goes? It goes yeah. So it's taken 20 more years of development of the technology of sequencing to get to the point where they could say, no, this is it, letter for letter. Okay. And this was just completed. They Those just 30 million letters. I'm skeptical they actually did it this time. <laughs> yeah, I they know. cried wolf too many times. Well, you can see the entire sequence in the article. I'm in, going to in, read it all and, and double I check. I know. I'm going to double There's check. There's an A missing here. Yeah. Now, the reason why <laughs> we're so interested, aside from just completion, finally completing this project, right. is that... The Y chromosome is a little funny in some other ways as well. So it's been noticed that individuals with the Y chromosome can start to lose it as they age. Whoa. Their cells don't have the Y chromosome Didn't anymore. It. Well, <laughs> it's associated with aging and lots of people think it might be why there is such a large lifespan gap between men and women having to oh, do with aging, losing the Y chromosome and the damage that comes with that. So it's also been seen that individuals who are losing their Y chromosomes from their cells Mm -hmm. have a higher incidence of cardiovascular disease and bladder cancer. Can we like take a pill? Of like just a y bunch chrome. of y chrome. Like really, y chrome. Yeah, Y chrome. Someone will sell it, but how do you get it from your <laughs> digestive system where it's yeah. now been destroyed because yeah. it's highly acidic uh-huh. into your cells? I'm going to figure that out. Well, good luck with that, Vinny. That's going to be a very, uh, very successful energy drink. Right. Anyway, we can finally <laughs> sit back, relax the entire genome, <sighs> letter for we letter, the final hill to climb. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, humanity. <laughs> Congratulations. For finally saying that you did the thing that you said you did 20 years ago. Right? I know. That's surprising. Well, you know what? A lot of it was because a lot of the genes had been sequenced. Okay. And really, even 20 years ago, we thought that's all that mattered. Oh. Right? But no. Well, we're starting to learn that not just telomeres, but all sorts of... Everything. The whole thing. Non-protein coding things do important The whole thing's important. The whole thing's important, man. That's why it's there. That's why it's there. That's why it's there. Otherwise, it wouldn't be there. Exactly. Wow. That's really cool. Well, good work. I know we're going to have a party here tomorrow. Y-shaped cake. Yes. Celebrate (laughs) the completion of the Y, man. 
I'm going to eat some of that cake and hope it fixes my chromosomes. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I do know we have a great guest. Oh, good. Good segue. segue. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, today's guest is Christopher Mahadeo. He's currently a research assistant professor in mathematics at the University of Illinois at Chicago. He recently obtained his PhD in mathematics from the University of Saskatchewan. In MathLingo, his PhD thesis investigated the relationship between twisted Higgs bundles and topological recursion. <laughs> In slightly more user-friendly language, he studied the geometry of shapes related to high-energy physics and strange quantum materials. Christopher's favorite pastimes are reading manga, watching anime, and swing dancing. Hey, Christopher, welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome, Christopher. Oh, I'm uh, very honored and happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> the honor is ours. First, yeah. we have to congratulate you. You just yes. finished your PhD and right into an academic position. That's amazing, doctor. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's, you know, uh, out of one frying pan and into <laughs> yes. a yeah. much larger, hotter frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Toasty, comfy, yeah, cozy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is very exciting. We, we've never had a mathematician our on the show. first math grad. This is great. Yeah. And only our second sort of physics adjacent. Yes. So this is uh, untrodden territory. And Vinny has a physics background. Right. But this guy is going to have to learn some words. I'm, I'm excited to hear Katie's questions. <laughs> That's what I'm excited so for. So I would love to break this down a little bit into digestible chunks for my tiny biologist mouth. Um, Higgs bundles. I hear that and I think Higgs boson. Are they related? What's a Higgs uh, bo bundle? Oh, I, they are. I mean... How related they are is like a good question. You know, oh, oh shit, no. right off the bat. Well, so you know, so you know, the 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 name was actually like inspired by the Higgs boson. I don't you know, I'm not super versed in kind of like the the grand history of how how or or why they're actually re related, but you know, somehow these are objects that we hmm. you know, th there are these like massive equations that uh, govern how the universe looks. Uh, these, so these are the the Yang Mills equations, and you know Higgs bundles arise from like taking a very like simple form of it. You, you know, this is like like I'm not gonna gonna paint a Picasso. I'm gonna do one of those like color in Picassos instead. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. And sense. you know, when you do this reduction, you end up getting these like beautiful uh, amount of mathematics that arises from it. And uh, you know, somehow the Higgs boson is uh, related to the original. <laughs> uh, uh, equations and it was named a Higgs bundle you know I'll say that my, uh, related to this my advisor has the story of he actually met uh Higgs, uh, Higgs. Peter Higgs maybe it's the name but he met yeah, like the Higgs boson uh, uh Higgs and I guess they were talking about Higgs bundles and I, I do not know that this person knows that there are odd mathematical objects named after him <laughs> that's really funny yeah I guess... can you imagine being so famous there's a bunch of shit named after you? you're like really that one too <laughs> never heard of that well let's let's go back a step because I guess I want to ask the question what is topology like just as for people who don't even know what the study of that is yeah, the, you know, there's maybe a common, like, colloquial misconception between two notions, which is geometry and topology. Mm. Topology is really about understanding a shape, you know, uh, the, you know, a, a simple thought is like, you know, how, how can we tell two things apart? You know, if I, if I blindfolded you and put two donuts in front of you, you know, they would be eaten. No, well, of course. <laughs> this is a great experiment. Let's do it again. 
Okay, so uh, I put another set of donuts in, uh, in front of you. I but I tell, tell you to hold on. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I put it in front of Katie because maybe Katie's not. Oh gonna yeah, right away. that'll work. They're long gone, but I'm telling you, the second set, I'm good. <laughs> okay, okay, I won't eat okay. the second All set. All right, good. You know, certainly if you ate the donuts, you'd be able to tell me the difference between a chocolate dip and a Boston cream mm. based on some deliciousness factor. But you know, if you if you just touch the, the the donuts and like felt them, you know, if you felt that that Boston cream, it feels like a solid donut. But once you started to handle the chocolate dip, mm. you notice that there's a hole in the middle. Right. If I tried to like mix it up and threw like a nice fresh pretzel in there, you might feel three holes. Right. And so you'd be able to tell the difference between these two shapes. And this is based on, let's say, the number of holes that they have. <laughs> In mathematics terms, this is the genus of the surface. And so topology really doesn't care about what flavor your donut is. To the, <laughs> to the topologist, the, the you know chocolate dip, same as the maple dip. Same as the vanilla sprinkles. Mm-hmm. Same as like the sour cream glaze. <laughs> I feel bad that there are maybe like people who don't understand all my aggressive Tim Hortons references. <laughs> we are here for them. The donuts are universal. That's yeah, my yeah. opinion. <laughs> so yeah, like, you know, topology is it's just like, I want to be able to tell my two shapes apart. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Really cool. Now let's throw the word recursion into the mix. <laughs> What's that doing in there? So, you know, a something is recursive if the you know a, 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 a let's say something that is being done is recursive if like the one step is based on previous steps ah and so gotcha. this this procedure that I, I work with topological recursion it's some kind of way of you know we're trying to understand some fact about the shape but it's actually like really hard to understand this fact it's like mm. it's like crazy so instead we're gonna break the shape down into mm. into like somewhat ugly pieces but on each of those pieces it's actually like pretty easy to do this hmm so kind of like the symmetry of a snowflake yeah you know the, maybe like like yeah and so you know on each of these small pieces it looks horrible but it's easy to do and we assemble it in a particular way and that oh. way we assemble it is like very recursive we we start with this one piece and then oh i know how to take this to the next mm. step up i can take this piece and multiply it by by this piece and mm. if i want to take a step in this other direction i take these two pieces and i add something else to it and we can do this over and over and it produces a way to understand whatever i wanted to understand now given in terms of these smaller pieces oh mm. to bring it back to donuts it would really be like if you took a, a sour cream glaze let's say <laughs> And you divide into like a million skinny, thin, thin, thin slices. Like the ones that are next to each other would have similar hole sizes, right? So you could use the previous slice to figure out what the next slice is based on the hole pattern. It's just a little different. Am I really off base, Christopher? Or can I talk about donuts some more? Oh, no. Because, oh, no. That, you know, that's... Uh, uh... One of the problems with like trying to use to, uh, 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 you know, explain like higher math things is that, you know, the, the, the need to have the, the, the complexity arises when we like enter things, enter realms that people don't usually think about. Yeah. So this donut analogy, you know, perfectly, uh, perfectly wonderful. I'm basically a mathematician is what you're saying. That's what I'm hearing. I think one of the things that's really fascinating, and this is true of like physics, uh, is when you get to the really like higher level, uh, more recent stuff, the stuff that is at the like macro level, which is like 
a roller coaster. If I build it this high, it has this much energy and it goes around the turn. That stuff people can get rather Mm. intuitively because I know what a roller coaster is. We interact with it. If I talk about chemistry, like I see when I cook and I mix this with this and I get a cake, great. I understand how these chemical interactions, they become intuitive because that's how it. But when we talk about things like, say, relativistic speed, it's like, well, what happens if I have one spaceship going at like a fraction of the speed of light and it's headed toward another spaceship going at another fraction of speed of light. Am I not, like, does one look like it's going faster than the speed of light? And it's like, no, they don't add like you would like a car passing a car. And it's like totally not intuitive because once you get to relativistic speeds, velocities add in like this crazy complicated way. And so we end up in this really unintuitive world. And I imagine that's the kind of world you live in, Christopher. Yeah, you know, it's... There comes a point where you can no longer really like picture things. You're, you're like, right. you, you have to picture things in like really simple, abstract ways. You know, right. let, let's say when I, you know, I'm, he, I'm here, I'm teaching my my class about vectors, and I'm like, you know, guys, just so you know, you know, we can have vectors in any dimension, and it's like, oh yeah, sure, you know, okay, <laughs> you can just imagine like a list of numbers that's really long, sure, but you know. When it's like, how many times can I wrap this donut around the other donut? And how many times <laughs> when I do this wrapping, does the donut cut in and intersect itself? And it's like, that's not <laughs> as easy to picture. No, no. We've talked a lot about donuts, and we know that Tim Hortons has more diverse selections. So what is your math equivalent for the iced cap? <laughs> hmm. oh, this you don't is... have to answer this one. <laughs> hmm. I'm gonna let this mull over. Yeah, yeah. Let it here. percolate like let a it, cap. Let it defrost a bit to that <laughs> nice silky point. So, I guess because I'm trying to imagine the math that you have to do to do the research that you did for your PhD thesis, and I'm just trying to think of like the last math class that I had to take <laughs> to do physics, <laughs> and I'm sure it's probably above average what the general person has to learn of course right and but then i'm trying to think what you had to learn and it's like i can't even wrap my head around what kind of so like what are some of the things that you need to know to do the work that you do like like topology classes but what are like what are some of these fields of math that the average person you know, it probably doesn't even know exists. Um, so, you know, I'd say you can kind of like split math up into a couple of like reasonable things. And like, okay. I'm, 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 you know, mathematicians everywhere are like getting ready to like, like get, <laughs> right, get in yeah. their pitchforks what he's about <laughs> to course. say. You know, you have things that are kind of like a field of analysis. And analysis is like you are trying to like understand in, in like a very precise numerical sense things related to some other field. So whereas like a topologist is good, it's like I don't really care what size this is. I just want to know how many holes. Mm-hmm. The analysis, the analyst might might be no 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 no. There's an upper bound to this. We're gonna find that. <laughs> Right, right. You know, uh, analysis maybe also kind of like very similar to the type of stuff one might do in like a calculus course, where where you're like, I'm going to find what this limit is. Right. But and you know, uh, in a much like larger crazy sense, then you have kind of like geometry. Geometry is more interested in some kind of you know you have your shape, but then some kind of structure on it. So like the ability to measure things. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, th there are any number of like crazy geometries that that we can add. But you know, if one just thinks about the, the ability to measure something, that's already like you know, the, we lived on Earth for a long time before we started to talk about distances, hmm. right? So we lived a long time without any notion of geometry on on, on the Earth. And then you kind of have very adjacent to that is topology of like shapes. Then you have some fields like probability, which is like mm. you, you know taking pro like our usual like coin flips to next levels that even I don't really understand. <laughs> and so you know, it, even just at that like basic level of splitting things up, and uh, to all the mathematicians out there, I'm sorry, there are probably other things that I should have said. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. You know, that feels like calculus, algebra, and geometry, and finite, right? That's how it was, that's how we learned them in high school. Yeah, back yeah that's I, I'd say that's like a pretty fair like you know way to to split it up in a sense that like a more normal person could un could understand but even in like geometry it's like you know you have people who study like complex geometry like algebraic geometry symplectic geometry you you might do like purely differential geometry and even within those fields like like you know like everybody in my advisor's research group arguably did the same type of geometry, but I could not tell you what any of them did their work on. Fascinating. That's amazing. Have you ever seen those lists on the internet that's like top five sandwich toppings, top five movies of the year, top five celebrities who have a very punchable face? You know what I'm talking about. The point is, all these lists drive us crazy because we have no idea who made them and how they even narrowed down their top five list. That's where my podcast comes in. My name is Tung La and I am the host of Ranked, top 5 lists of stuff that don't matter. In every episode, with the help of a motley crew of self-proclaimed experts, we debate, battle, and work together, showing you the entire process of how we got there. To create a top 5 list of any and every topic we can think of, like top 5 brunch menu items, top 5 fictional dogs, top 5 90s songs, top 5 Steves? The list goes on and on. And we we will not rest till we rank basically everything. So join us every second Thursday in the pod cavern for ranked top five lists of stuff that don't matter. Top five, top five, top five. So when, when I think of like what a conference is like for a biologist, right? You go to conferences, it's always like, oh, we've improved technologies. And so we know this better or, oh, you know, we're just like almost improving the microscope in, in all aspects, not just microscopy, right? Just better technology, understanding things better at a smaller and smaller level. Or if we're talking about bigger things like in ecology, better and better math, better and better statistics to sort of understand patterns and that sort of thing. What the hell is new with math, right? Like when you go to a conference, what are like the developments that are happening? It's just so far from my brain. I don't understand. Like what's what's the hot new discoveries in math? Uh, it's, you know, the, this differs a, a lot like field to field. So, you know, mm -hmm. if, we, if we think about, let's say like numerics, for example, you know, so, you know, that might be someone saying like, I actually, you know, you know, have a new algorithm that will help us to better understand uh shallow water waves and everyone's <laughs> like oh well yes we're gonna understand shallow water waves now that's awesome uh, supportive group oh it's, i wish it were always like that uh you know in the kind of stuff that i do you know it's questions are either kind of like largely motivated by physics or mm. they're just like like a like you know alice down the rabbit hole it's it's like mm -hmm. It's like either, you know, someone thought like, hmm, you know, I bet 
I bet you could do this thing that the physicists do with this other object. Let's hmm. check okay. that out. Or someone's some like, this is this is really cool. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep poking at it and see what happens. Right, right. The stuff that I do is like very far from like, you know, I take on my calculator and do some calculations. It's more of like, <laughs> you know, I say it's more of like in like a weird way, maybe being like being like a lawyer, right? You, you know, you have to to present your case and you know, hmm. this fact and like like you know, here's this other fact that I'm trying to convince you that like my shape is not guilty. <laughs> yeah of having too many holes that exactly fascinating. Yeah. exactly that's a yeah. fascinating yeah, yeah. comparison you got to build up your evidence you got to yeah, build your lines of reasoning of and then you know use the things that have already been proven to, to build upon that and go yeah further. i mean you know my you know what it, 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 obviously there there are sometimes levels of people doing like hard computations and you know my you know shout out to to, uh, to, to them for having the patience for that <laughs> <laughs> but very often, you know, it, it, it'll be like, I want to, you know, uh, I'm at point A that we know is true. And there's this point B that like, I think is true. How can I construct a, a sequence of arguments that, that will convince you or that will convince somebody that it is true? And like, sometimes it doesn't like to, to look at a math proof, let's say, it doesn't look very mathy. Sometimes there's just a lot mm -hmm. of words. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the math is like hidden behind uh, words. So it, it's Where one it of those, those things. Yeah. Where it belongs. <laughs> oh, no. Hide those numbers. Hide those numbers. So, Christopher, let's try to get back to your research. Yeah. We're going to try to wrap our teeny tiny brains. Yeah. I think we've got a handle over the basics of topological recursion through donut right, theory. So now we know where, what part of the world you're in. What, <laughs> what was the question, I guess, that you asked? So we have a beautiful donuts. And people mm. have been studying these beautiful donuts. Mm, and either. and I'm like, what if my donut has special points on it? You know, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna put a couple of you know, I'm gonna, gonna keep the donut uh, analogy going just strong. Keep it going. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, instead of just like a normal donut, I have a donut with maybe some like little berries inside of it. Mm. And you know, at each of these, you know, I I, I want to to do this same process. I want to break it into pieces, but I want to try to remember where those little berries were i mm. want to know what happens if i have a if i have a decorated surface so my donut with some points on it we're like oh there's a berry here there's a berry here what happens when i break that down into pieces and do the same procedure mm. Mm. whoa and is that the twisted higgs bundles component yes or am i missing it okay. no no yes so the twisted refers to the fact that there are these these uh points these berries okay i feel like maybe chocolate chip would have been like a more natural analogy i was <laughs> I gonna like say it. a blueberry like donut it. but I, I don't <laughs> i want a berry donut man that's working yeah. so so these things connect this topological recursion this twisted higgs bundles they connect somehow how what's what's the connection or is that is that what you're trying to figure out how these two different things align so the the there was some work already done in the like original case, and uh, it was to the effect of there's this donut <laughs> that you get from the Higgs bundle, and the topological recursion told you information about the donut. Hmm. Hmm. And I wanted to know if you could get the same information from a donut with marked points on it. Mm -hmm. Can I do the same thing with my berry donut? Right. And, you know, this, you know, kind of coming back to maybe the, the like, you know, people being motivated by either 
physics or just because, you know, something like asking what happens if I have some extra data? That's something that people are sometimes just abstractly interested in. They're just like, mm -hmm. yeah, well, you know, can I generalize this a, a little bit? Hmm. Uh, part of my motivation came from work by my uh, wonderful advisor, who I will plug, Stephen Ryan. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually like wrote several papers that were, you know, made quite a quite a bit of waves in like the condensed mm -hmm. matter, uh, like quantum material uh, field about you know the so-called like hyperbolic quantum material. And in this theory, these uh, twisted Higgs bundles come up, and so it was a, it's kind of like a natural question to be like we want to understand the shapes related to these twisted higgs bundles because that will let us understand this brand new class of quantum materials mm -hmm. so it made sense to see if i could use this procedure that people had had success with in the normal case in this twisted case wow so my question next question is going to be is there experimental data that you can use to kind of validate or invalidate or is this the purely a theoretical exercise at some point quite possibly yes the, the there's there's a bit of a, a gap between what i am doing right now and like the real world stuff but sure. the motivation for what i'm doing is like real world like there are already people mm -hmm. there are like research group out there building like hyperbolic photon circuits and so, you know, the kind of hope is that maybe, you know, if this procedure can calculate what we want to calculate, there could be a way to computerize it. Mm -hmm, to make a model. Wow. Yeah, so that somebody could plug information into the computer and it would spit out some some facts about your shape. Because, it, you know, it, it turns out that, the you know, for these weird quantum materials, ooh, uh, <laughs> information about this, this donut tells you a lot about the, what the material can do. Mm. One of the fascinating things, like, as someone who studied physics, one of the fascinating things for me, the history of physics, is that very often it runs into phenomena, natural phenomenon, and everyone's like, whoa, what's happening here? And then some physicist wades through the mountain of math history and finds like, whoa, someone did some math experiment, like wrote a paper on this, like, in, you know, 1730 about falling off of horses. And then it's like, it's totally applicable to what we're doing. And then it's like, oh, this problem has already been solved. And now just apply it and it gives us the right answers and it gives us a good model. And so very often physicists encounter something and then just go some mathematician has probably figured this out and just had it in an abstract way and now we can just grab whatever idea they had put, apply it to our situation and be like oh this totally works great we solved it done and then every so often mathematicians come in and is like oh what's happening over here and then they like start poking around like whoa this shouldn't be happening and then they start coming up with a whole bunch of ideas and they go further beyond the, what's actually testable in physics like the experimentalists and go into like theoretical physics and that's where the line between mathematics and physics at a theoretical level they're kind of indistinguishable like they're just applying these strange math tools to these like theoretical ideas and so for me it's always fascinating to, to have that back and forth between oh we found this thing what does the math say or here's here's some math what does the physics say and it's like there is a, like a back and forth between those two 
fields in a really cool way. Oh yeah, it's 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 wild. Even you know earlier this year, I attended a conference which was very at like the precipice of math and physics, and it was really. I mean, there were those who could like like really like strut the line and like they 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 were on on point for both and it was like incredible to see some of these people like like really understand the like raw math and then hear some and hear like you know somebody say something very motivated from physics and immediately be, be like yes yes we should talk <laughs> later and so your your research was physics related so have you like what's your experience coming up against that frontier of physics it is difficult. <laughs> I, I think, you know, the it is something that I would love to to be able to like attack. I, I know many, you know, I had many professors and you know, my, my advisor is one of these people who who really are able to like firmly planted in the seat of math, but really able mm. to to like understand what the physicists are saying. I mean, a lot of it is like nomenclature and such, you know. Sure. Like they say some they use some word and I'm like, I don't know what that word means. But it's something that I like totally know, but it's like I don't know what that word means. Right, right. It's a lot of language. Yes, yes. You know, you know, to to you know to to, to like maybe step outside of what what I do but still like kind of things that I'm interested in trying to to do to like maybe appeal to Katie a little bit you know there, <laughs> it's all is... appeals to me <laughs> oh, but I'm gonna uh, hopefully appeal a little bit more talk about biology for a second mm. there's some some work uh, that was done and I don't know if it's still being done uh that relates topological recursion actually to virology and oh. you know the the interest there is you know i guess like you have your like rna is some weird twisted knot kind of object mm -hmm. and their idea i guess was to use this procedure again this recursive procedure to understand the topology of the of the rna whoa very Fascinating. cool yeah look and at th that there was a bit too much biology in it for me to understand but i was hey, like that sounds, that sounds kind of cool <laughs> that does suck it's amazing what we find applications for now christopher how did you get here yeah. were you an undergrad you had all these math classes and then someone said hig bundles and your ears perk up and you're like that's me like how did you get to this field well so you know I, i've always enjoyed math and, and such but I, like, I really i always enjoyed science you know like when mm -hmm. i was young i was like reading books about like the stars and stuff it was like oh the universe is so cool as i uh, you know as i like went through like elementary school and, and high school i really found that i, I loved physics actually mm. and uh as you should uh, yes, as as we all should <laughs> and in my first year of university, I had to take a math class that was, my first year calculus was like somewhere between do a lot of calculations and do a lot of proofs. So I got to, I got a, like a peek behind the curtain and it was actually like really cool to kind of see the inner workings of mathematics. You know, you do, you know, like we do all these things that we like take for granted when we like add things together. Or, you know, when we like take an integral, well, I don't know if the average person has ever taken an integral or ever will want to. Not without paying for it. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we, like, we do all these things and it was really cool to, I guess, see how it all worked. And so I slowly mm -hmm. started to take more math courses. I actually transitioned to a math and physics degree. Mm -hmm. And then at some point I was just like, you know, like, God, math is so cool. Like mm -hmm. there are just all these weird things that start to like like fall into place or like th mm. that like you know these two crazy different ideas are somehow like intricately connected like it, you know it's 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 like 
it's wild to me sometimes that it's like you know we at some point in human life we we were like we need a way to count let's invent one two three and from <laughs> right. like, from there we've like created this abstract system of thinking that yeah. like butts heads against like theoretical physics which should be mm. like you know what how the universe is governed and so yeah. somewhere along the line I, I was like like damn we built something really cool absolutely and where do you think your research is going to go are you sticking in these areas or is your lab going to be investigating completely different stuff uh i will be largely uh doing the same kind of stuff that i've been doing uh you know there were some like you know i should i find myself the time to like learn about biology i actually am quite interested in like the this application to uh virology because mm. i think that's just like a, a really neat uh, mm -hmm. application and yeah i mean that's uh understanding viruses is a very like, hot topic hot topic right <laughs> yes. now yeah. and yeah. will continue to be yeah. so long as climate change doesn't preclude our continued existence <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, it's a battle for supremacy of what's going to cause us to go extinct climate change or viruses. pandemics exacerbated it's a by race climate to the bottom it's a race to the bottom here's the i've got this question i've i've asked physicists this question uh -oh. i don't know that i've ever asked uh -oh. a mathematician Watch out, one. Uh, uh, maybe this is like going to be evident to you, but is math invented or is it discovered? And by that, this is a little Ooh. bit philosophical in the idea that math exists outside of the human experience, or is it a tool that humans have invented to understand the universe around them? So is it an invention that humanity has come up with, or is it a discovery that exists inherently in our universe? <laughs> this might be a harder question than the ice cap question. <laughs> <laughs> You have 30 seconds oh, to answer. No, oh, I'm, just... <laughs> I, you know, I'm like inclined to say that, that it's maybe a little bit of both. I think like ideas are discovered and then the mechanisms, quite sometimes the mechanisms to study them are what is developed. Like, you know, somebody, I mean, let's even like talk about calculus, you know, at some mm -hmm. point Newton was out there like inventing calculus and you know it, it it came from like a natural place but mm. for like many years we didn't have the right tools to mm. adequately describe calculus you know now you sit in any calculus class the first thing you learn about are limits and right. i mean i'm not going to say i know i mean it's, now we're entering like like my like math knowledge to say like well how, <laughs> how was a limit really how did that really first <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. sure but you have some you know something like oh now we have the length the adequate language to describe this stuff I, I think it's a kind of like a little bit of both. Yeah. Like, like someone discovers sure. this like new, wonderful idea and maybe they don't, you know, maybe the language to adequately describe it doesn't exist, the tools to yeah. study it. And so it's like, mm. we must make the tools because this is so cool. <laughs> Oh, that's a good answer. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I know I have no place in this argument, but I, <laughs> I feel like it's the same thing, right? The connection with physics that you can observe makes it so tempting to say it's part of something real. But like like Christopher was saying, saying numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, there's parts of it that we sort of invent because oh, it works well. I would right? say physics is always discovered because it's just a description yeah. of the world. No, for that sure. But in. the fact that math can explain it so well tells you that it's there's a real natural quality to it. So is, are you saying it's invented or it's discovered? <laughs> Math, a bit of both. Because okay, there's part of, of it that yeah, our sure. human brains are inventing the symbols and the, the digits and the things to sort of make sure. it tangible. Anyways, I find it an interesting oh, yeah. idea. Well, we solved math and physics yeah. today. <laughs> wow, this was a productive podcast. I don't know yeah, about you guys, yeah. but... 
Yeah, I'm surprised more people don't listen to this podcast. We've, we've done a lot. Of, we've done a we've lot. We've done a lot for, for a lot of fields, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we've solved a lot of problems. We've earned the two and two donuts. I want all <laughs> yeah. four. We're gonna go for donuts after Absolutely. this, everybody. Well, Christopher, we're out of time, but that was amazing. Thank you for taking time away from your new office and your new career, Doctor Mahadio, uh, to answer our very basic donut questions. Uh, no, I, I again, I'm like very happy to 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 be here. I love to talk about math and i love to do my best to make people understand what i'm talking about absolutely and from from someone who loved math but never had a math teacher that could communicate it you're going to be awesome and thank you for doing what you can to make math tangible and fun yeah all right thanks Thanks, christopher Christopher. have a good night yes thank you so much that was amazing that was so cool when i was picking picking majors for undergrad yes a top contender oh my goodness please say math was a double major in math and philosophy oh so you really like that question at the end (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah yeah i I ended up not because my first year calculus class was my weakest subject and i run away from things that are hard um (laughs) but i always loved math always loved math it's a good field yeah Yeah. i i had the weird experience in my physics degree where my math classes due to a scheduling hiccup my math classes always came after the physics class that i needed it in so I would sit in the physics class and, and we'd like say an electromagnet and then we'd do like greens there and we'd be like, I don't know what this is. What's going on? This is doing all these crazy math stuff. And then we'd have to like outside of class just sit down and teach ourselves this math. Then the next term, we'd get a math class, and I'd be like, and this is how Green's Theorem works. I'd be like, are you kidding me? I could have used this six months ago. It was so frustrating. But it really gave me a good appreciation for math because, like, as a tool, it's so powerful. And when you understand what's happening as a describer for the world around us, it's really beautiful. It's kind of amazing that it works as well as it does. Well, we learned a lot today, Vinny. Yeah, I think so, too. We learned about clean steel. Yeah. We learned about the Human Genome Project, which only recently <laughs> finished. I don't know what you were high-fiving each other about. Well, we figured out the rest of the mysterious Y chromosome. And, of course, we learned tons, tons about of math. topological well, recursion and donuts. Yeah, very cool. Not as much ice cap information. I'm glad you took but, away the you know, donut part of all of this. There's still work to be done, is what I've learned. <laughs> right, it's the Human Genome Project of donuts. Why don't you send them off on our socials, Vinny? If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can check us out at LRG Pod. That's LRG Pod on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you'd like to be a guest or you know someone who would make a great guest, have them send us an email or send us an email yourself. Learnrealgoodpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Learnrealgoodpodcast at gmail.com. Well, that's it for us this that's week. It. Thank you, Vinny. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Dr. Christopher Mahadio. Thank you very much, everybody in math and physics. <laughs> And and everything beyond and in between. Everybody who makes donuts. Off to Tim Hortons. (laughs) Bye bye. Bye bye.